Welcome to the Waves Ministry Podcast. My name is Caroline Hare, and I'm the founder of Waves Girls Conference. We have girls conferences for girls ages 12 to 22 in the States as well as internationally. Our mission and vision is to encourage and equip young women to start making waves for Christ in their homes, community, and in the world. We hope that through this podcast that we can bring messages and words of life, wisdom, and hope through the Word of God, life issues, and help girls know their true identity and calling. I think it's awesome that she, here you might want this, that she um, thinks of me as bubbly because I think of her as bubbly and cheerful and like the light of the, the life of the party, you know, so that's cool. Hey, go ahead real quick, stand back up, and I want you to cross the room and uh, make your way across the room and hug 11 people. Can you do it? 11 hugs, go. Okay, if you haven't yet got 11 hugs and you're still looking for someone, raise your hand so people can find you to hug you. Anybody got less than 11 hugs? Raise your hand. Anybody? Everybody got 11 hugs? Okay, good. They say you need at least 11 hugs a day for for optimum mental and emotional health. So congratulations. This is a very emotionally healthy day of your life. You are welcome. I would hug every one of you 11 times, but I can't. But see how I just did? right? That was pretty good, right? Uh, Well, I have to tell you guys that I was late this morning. Uh, Well, first, let me back up and tell you guys I talk fast. This is me talking slow. I am actually capable of talking even slower than this, but I feel like the truth is you can keep up. So say, I can keep up. See, you can keep up. You just did. Some of you didn't, but that's okay. You'll catch on. Uh, So this is me talking slow. They used to actually take recordings of me talking back when there were cassette recorders. I know, no, actually, there's no point in telling this story because no one in this room, except the few of you volunteers in the back, know what a cassette recorder is, but that's fine. Uh, There used to be these cassette recorders. It was a tape that wound like this, and it played in real time. And they would take the tape of me speaking, and they would play it back on slow motion, and it sounded like I sound right now. That's how fast I talked. Okay, so anyway, I'm going to talk fast. I'm going to get through it. You're going to understand, but I was actually late this morning. I apologize. I find it very disrespectful to be late, except I'm always late, so sorry. I apologize. But this morning I was late because, listen, I had this super cute dress that I've been wanting to wear that, um, I'm get, can I embarrass myself to y'all? Is that okay? We're all girls here, almost, and there's a few guys. Sorry, guys. You just have to tag along. But, um, 
I love being at girls' events because they're so girly. And you can be so girly. It's so great, right? Um, and you can tell stories that, that you would normally lose half the audience. But in this case, I'm not going to lose you guys. So I had this super cute dress. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I've had it for four years, and I've never worn it. Is that shocking? Some of you are thinking four years ago you were just a tiny little baby, so you wouldn't, that wouldn't be able to be true for you. But four years ago I was the size I am right now, so I have a dress left over from four years ago. Um, so I had this dress, it's super cute, it's bright green, it's real lightweight, it's long sleeve, and then it kind of like goes to my knees, but it's like, I forget what they call it, it's like a shift dress, so it just kind of like hangs, so it's really cute. And then I have these sneakers, because you know this whole dress and sneakers thing is happening, these huge chunky sneakers that I got at Dillard's that are they have glitter, like gold glitter, like legit, like sequin-looking glitter, like, like this jacket right here. See this jacket? Yes. Woo! Hallelujah. Uh, pink, pink glitter, gold glitter, big chunks. It's like super chunky sneakers, and they're so cute. And so it's a bright green dress and these big chunky sneakers. I've never worn it because I've never quite totally had the courage um, to do it, and then for a little while it didn't fit. But um, so this dress is hanging in my closet. So I planned to wear it yesterday. I tried it on. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait. I'm going to wear this dress. Uh, and it's going to be so fun. And just before I left my house this morning, I was like, I don't know. I've never worn this dress. I've never, I can't speak in an outfit I've never worn. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the lights are going to be like. How see-through is it? I give my husband a flashlight. I'm like, can you shine the flashlight and see? Is the dress see-through? Um, what about I'm going to be standing so much higher than the girls, so I'm in a dress. So how's that? What's going to be going on? What if the pictures are from below? I don't know. I, can I do this? I so I start having a little, and my husband, his name is Jermaine, if you don't know him. My husband's like, honey, you're fine. You're fine. Stop it. You're fine. Please, God, don't spiral right now, you know? Uh, and so he's like, why don't you go ahead and go talk about, if you're wondering what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about when high tides, when you're kind of covered. Um, but if you're wanting to go talk about insecurities and things like that, you know, honey, you got to just toughen up and do it. Just wear the dress. And he's so nice, and he doesn't say this. I interpret, shut up, you know? Like, that's what I interpret. Just get over it. Uh, but he didn't say any of that. He said, only nice things, only encouraging things. You look great. You can do it, honey. Go for it. I believe in you. I'm cheering for you. And right at the door, holding my purse, holding everything, I was like, mm, I'm not going to do it. Ran back in my closet, changed my outfit, put this on. It's still a good outfit, but I've actually spoken it like 100 million times. That's why I know it works. I know that there's no movement I'm going to make. I'm not going to have any more wardrobe malfunction or anything. So I'm telling you this story. Actually, there is a minor malfunction that it did have. You want to know what it is? Can you see it? You see the safety, safety pin? That happened last time I was preaching in this. Okay, so we're just getting really real. Is that okay? Can we just be really real? All right. So I'm telling you all of this because I want to talk to you today about when we're covered and what begins to happen. I want to talk to you about insecurities. And insecurities, feeling inferior, feeling less than, feeling not what you're supposed to be uh, or, or not measuring up somehow is something that for me that I battle with my entire life. And so, for example, <clears throat> my entire life, um, I believed, I'm just going to tell you all stuff, can I? This is stuff you don't tell. Um, I recently spoke at a, at a women's conference. I'm not used to women's events. I'm used to more like mixed, well, both genders events. But um, I recently spoke at a women's conference in Australia and New Zealand, and I was like, wow, I can tell stuff I don't normally tell. That feeling feels good, so I'm going further with it and testing the waters with y'all, okay? Um, but like my whole life, my whole growing up life, I actually believed that I was ugly, okay? so. I believed I was ugly. Nobody in my family told me that I, well, that's not true, all my siblings did, but um, like nobody with a meaningful influence otherwise, like no adult in my family said that I was, that I was ugly, but no 
nobody really said that I wasn't. And like, you know, kids are mean, so plenty of mean kids. Some kids can be mean, none of y'all are, but some kids can be. And so plenty of mean kids told me that I was, and my siblings, and different things would happen. And so, you know, I kind of just believed that I was ugly. Like, I totally, completely believed it. So I did not even think about it very much. That's the point that it reached. So like, for example, do you, does anybody have a left hand? If you have a left hand, raise it up. Is there anybody who doesn't have one? That's a possibility. Okay, if you don't, do you have a right hand instead? Okay, all right, good, raise your right hand then if you don't have a left one, that's fine. So some, somebody may actually not have a left hand, but if you have a left hand or a right hand or maybe a left foot, how many times do you wonder, do I have a left hand? Have you ever wondered? If you have, please come see a counselor afterwards. We can really talk about this. Uh, no, you have never wondered, hardly ever, if you had a left hand unless you actually lost your left hand, which somebody apparently did. I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, I'm not sure if I believe it, though. I feel like it's somebody who might have been joking. No, well, well, see me after, I'll know, then for sure. But, um, but you've never wondered, do you have a left hand because you just have one? That is the level that I believed, honest to God, believed that I was ugly. I never wondered, do I look good in this outfit? Because it, I didn't think looking good was possible. I never wondered about doing my hair or doing my makeup because it didn't matter, because obviously I wasn't attractive, so there was no point in even thinking about those things. And then I had a well-meaning relative who was very, very close, very influential um, male relative in my life, and I, one day my personality was kind of coming out. I'm from a big family, you don't always get a chance to show your personality. Usually you're just fighting for the last leftover you know, cereal or whatever. Um, but my personality really came out, I was real bubbly and sassy and kind of like my way that I like to be that's a little bit more fun, and this, this influential family member said, oh wow, yeah, you've, you've really got some personality. And then he said this, he said, totally well-meaning, he said, you're not so ugly that your personality can't make up for it. And that sounds bad, right? That was the best compliment I'd ever had that I could remember that, I, that gave me hope, that I literally was like, oh, there's hope. I'm not so ugly that my personality can't make up for it. So I think, I can't remember exactly how old I was. I was early teen, maybe, maybe around 12 years old when that happened. And from then on, I was like, personality, that's where it's at. I am going to rev up my personality. I mean, I like my personality anyway, but I was like, I'm going to make sure everyone sees my personality and that way they forget how ugly I am. And I remember one day I was standing in the mirror and, um, I mean, it seems so stupid now, but y'all just have to understand this was my life. It was real. I'm so standing in the mirror, I'm, a, I'm about 11 years old, and I'm in the mirror crying, looking in the mirror like, oh, how will I ever be pretty, you know? And I just remember being so tired of, of being disappointed with myself that I had this conversation with myself, looking myself in the eyes. Like I said to myself, what are you gonna do? Cry every day for the rest of your life? It's gonna be the same face tomorrow, it's gonna be the same face after that, it's gonna be the same face after that. What are you gonna do? Just be sad and cry about it all the time? And so I decided right then, look at myself in the mirror, no, I'm not. <laughs> Besides, I look even uglier when I cry. <laughs> you know? So I decided right then, 11 years old, I'm not going to be sad about this anymore. I'm just going to focus on my positive strengths. So one, of the, one example, and, I, and you know, how many of you ever um, heard of like, I'm going to date myself, but like, you know, true love waits, or maybe that's still a thing, actually. Maybe it's not that dated. But you know, the general belief of, 
of purity, of course, before marriage, but also just kind of safe dating where it's not physical at all or stuff like that. So I subscribed to that, uh, th that kind of belief. But I also was terrified of boys because I thought I was ugly, right? Can you imagine? So I remember this boy tried to ask me out one time when I was a young teenager, and, but he was nervous. His name was Robert, and he was, he was like nervous and insecure. So he sent his friend to ask me if I liked him, right? So the friend comes up, and the friend's like, hey, Robert thinks that you're cute. He wants to know if you like him. Well, I knew that I wasn't cute, so I knew that he was lying. So I was like, why didn't Robert come ask me himself? Why didn't he come? Why are you trying to set me up? I was CTV. I know how this works. So you're going to make fun of me. And like I shot him down. And I found out years later, because I still, I found out later, he actually did like me. But I was so sure of what I was sure of that that was all that I could see. Does that make sense? I'm trying to build to something. Because none of y'all think that you guys all know you're absolutely stunning and gorgeous, but this was my thing. But some of you might have thought, for example, why am I not smart? Right? And all the evidence keeps to point to me that I'm not smart. Why am I not bold? Why am I not confident? Why am I not bubbly? Why am I not? I, I love, Christy, that you said that, because you are. I love that she said that she saw me and thought, I want to be bubbly like that. I want to be whatever that joyful, because you are. But obviously, she was going through something and wasn't feeling that way, wasn't seeing that side of herself at the time. See, when we're covered, when we're in high tide, when we're in a season that we can't see what's going on, we don't actually see the good in us. There was no possible way that I could ever look in the mirror and see that I wasn't ugly, right? It's, it's stupid now, but at the time, there was no possible way. It was, it was something that was covered that couldn't be seen. And when Christy and I are, are hanging out and she sees me as bubbly and doesn't see herself that way, whatever was going on, she was covered. She couldn't see that about herself. So I'm guessing when she saw it about me, it, it triggered something, right? She felt something. So I want you to do this. I want you to take out a piece of paper. We're going to read the Bible soon, I promise. This fits with the Bible. We're going to take, take out a piece of paper, and I want you to write the name of someone you've admired qualities in. You can ask the Lord to remind you of someone if you're having trouble thinking of it. It may be a relative, maybe a big sister, a cousin, maybe a girl at school, maybe a teacher, maybe a, a celebrity, some girl, female, who you, or if you're a male and you're doing this, you can write a male, uh, who you have admired qualities in them, who you've looked just like Christy's story and said, why can't I be like that? And then I want you to write down three of, three good, three of those good qualities, at least three things. If you can't think of three in the same person, maybe think of another person. So while you're doing that, I'll tell you another example, one for me, um, is I really admired this, uh, my, who's now my, uh, well, let me back up. I really admired my college professor. One of my college professors, her, Professor Robinson, she could say the right word to explain, like, she, if she were describing a person, let's say a girl named Megan, and she would say, Megan is such a delight. And I would think, oh, delight, yes, that is what Megan is. She's a delight. Why can't I be like that? Why can't I think of the right word? Like she would, one person was a delight, but another person was brilliant, or another person was effervescent. <sighs> Who's eff I, We just say bubbly, effervescent, of course. She's effervescent, you know? So I admired my professor, Cassandra Robison. So keep thinking as I'm talking. You're not, you're, you can keep writing. Who you admired and what you admired about them. I admired about her at least three qualities. 
I admired about her that she was such, she could see things so clearly and individually. Like she could see one person as effervescent and one person as a delight. And that had such strong meaning, right? And then she could, she could communicate it so well. But I admired it with a little bit of pain. Like I admired it like, oh, why can't I be like that? Ouch, right? Um, I admire my pastor, Jane Hammond. Um, she wasn't my pastor when I first saw her. I was visiting her, visiting up here. I live somewhere else, but I was visiting this area. And um, I saw her preach a sermon one night on a Friday night, and it was in the middle of, there was a hurricane headed to the Panhandle. This was in 2004, I want to say. And she said, you know what? Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him, right? So she had everybody in the church stand up. It was bigger, bigger, probably at least this size of a crowd. Could have been bigger, I don't remember. In my mind, everything was so big. There was 10 million people there, but really not. Uh, but everyone in the church stood up, and we all, like, reached our hand in the direction of the hurricane. It was supposed to hit that night. And we commanded the hurricane by name, turn around and go back into the sea. That's what we said to do. So we all said it at once. She's like, say it all together. Turn around and go back into the sea. And I was like, that's really bold and cool. It's going to be super awkward tomorrow when we're all killed by this hurricane. But that was cool, you know. But a, but a big part, <laughs> I'm a little dramatic. But a big part of me was like, why can't I be like that? I want to be bold. I want to be like, I want to have guts like that. Girl, okay. All right then. If that hurricane doesn't turn around, I'm going to turn around and go back. I'm listening, right? Well, actually, it was printed in the in newspaper the next day. The hurricane turned around and went back into the sea. Then I admired her. I was like, oh, wow. How do I get that? How do I become like that? How do I believe the Bible so boldly that I'll stand in front of a crowded room and really put my reputation on the line then say, if it's in the word, we can believe it and believe God to do it and do that? How do I get that boldness that she had? Okay, so has everyone written down at least three things? Anybody need more time? Okay, you can keep going. All right, no problem. So we'll come back to the three things. So God puts, we, there are people that we admire. Listen, you may not admire someone that I admire. All y'all are going to find on your list of paper different qualities. You know what I've never looked at? Do you guys like to watch sports? Of course, I love to watch sports. But you know, when I see an athlete and I see them do something wonderful, I don't feel like, oh, why can't I be like that? I don't actually feel that way. Some of you may. But I don't feel that way. I love Jessie Graff. She's, um, you know, do you know who Jessie Graff is? Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, she's this powerful, fit, amazing woman who does the um, American Ninja Warrior, but she's also a stunt double. She was the stunt double for Wonder Woman. Um, so anyway, yeah, she's cool. And of course, beautiful and, and amazing and fun. And, uh, but when I watch her compete or I watch her do something really incredible, I, am, I think, wow. I mean, I stand up on my couch and I'm like, go, 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 yes, oh, she did it, wow, you know? I love it. But I never look and think, oh, why can't I be like that? Man, right? It doesn't hurt me. So I have a theory about this. But first, I'm going to talk about the lies. One of the first lies ever told is Genesis 3.5. See, I told you we'll read the Bible. It was in Genesis 3.5. So, so the serpent comes. I'm going to just tell it. 3.1 through 5. You can read it, but you, you know the story. The serpent comes to Eve and says, did God really say that you can't do that? So at this point, he hasn't, he's just asked a question. He hasn't lied. And Eve goes, oh, God said, if we eat this fruit, we're going to die. And then the serpent's like, Lie number one, you won't 
die. I mean, was it a lie? They didn't drop dead on the spot. So it was kind of, kind of true, but not really true, right? It was a partial lie. And then he says, God knows when you eat it, you will be like him. Now that was a lie. You know why? It was a sneaky little lie too. It was a seed. It was a hint. It was a little insecurity just dropped in there. God knows when you eat it, you will be like him. And then he goes on to say, knowing good for me, which was true. Why is that a lie? Anybody know? Yeah. Because the, Jesus, it already said in Genesis 2, in his image, he created them, male and female. Eve was already made in the image of God, already like God. In fact, the main separator between Adam and Eve and all the rest of creation, the one differentiating factor, the one thing that, the one thing that makes her so special, the one great awesome thing that why she's an eternal being, why she matters so much, is that she's made in the image of God. Trees aren't made in the image of God. Puppies are cute, but not made in the image of God. Lots of things are wonderful in God's creation, but there's only one thing made in the image of God, people. So her very identity, her very value, exactly what was so great about her is the thing he whispered a little lie. And you know, if he'd have walked right up and said, you're not made in the image of God, she'd be like, of course I am. That's exactly what God said, right? She's smart. No, he snuck it in this way. Like he, like he told me, see, if you were a pretty girl, you would have had more friends. If you were a pretty girl, you would have da-da-da-da. If anybody wanted you, you'd da-da-da-da. If you were a good communicator, da-da-da-da. If you were bold, da-da-da-da. Well, See, Satan's not going to bother to lie to us about something that doesn't matter to us. See what I mean? So when I see Jesse Graff or an athlete complete some remarkable physical challenge, I celebrate it. But it's not part of my DNA. It's not part of my calling. It's not part of my destiny. I mean, I can do some athletic stuff. It's fun, right? Play some sports, do some things. Um, you guys want to know something funny? I once competed in a CrossFit competition, um, which was a fitness competition, of 629 competitors, and I ranked number 629. I am the most last person. I win. <laughs> I win my own game of being the most bad at this. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't hurt. It's not part, it's okay, it's okay with me. And you know, for somebody, for y'all, did anybody feel really sad that you don't think to say effervescent? Or like, you know, a few of you might have, right? But for some of y'all, if you had my professor, Professor Cassandra Robinson, you wouldn't sit there and think, oh, why am I not like that? Why am I not good with words? Why am I not, why don't I see it exactly like it is to say it exactly like it is like she does? Has anybody ever had that pain? There could be a few. Okay, a few of you have. So this is my theory. See, Satan lies right at your identity. He doesn't lie to me about not being a good athlete because it's not part of my destiny and purpose. I mean, I can do some stuff, it's not bad, but it's not part of who God's called me to be. 
No, he lies to us right at our identity, right at the most valuable part of who we are. See, he lied to me about my appearance so that I would weep before going, get emotional, you know, but before going up on a platform to speak because who would want to hear some ugly girl walk up there, right? I'm past it now, y'all. I'm emotional about the memory. I, you know, I don't believe it anymore. Or how could I be on TV, you know? It's awkward, super awkward, but I just filmed Slid Roth with my husband for our new book, and, I'll, and I cried before hair and makeup, before. Don't cry after hair and makeup, before. <laughs> like, I'm so insecure. Just a little, it was a short cry, and then it was like, okay, Lord, you called me to this, I can do it, right? See, Satan lied to me about my ability to communicate because I'm called to communicate. I'm called to have the exact right word to tell you exactly how he's been lying to you, exactly how he went after your identity. He didn't lie to you about things that don't matter to you. He lied to you about things that did matter to you because it matters, because that's what would work. And see, he lied to me about fear and insecurity and told me I wasn't bold and courageous because actually, that's exactly who I'm called to be, bold and courageous. I have battled fear my whole life. Those, you can Google some times of me speaking. I talk about it every time I speak. But let me, I'm talking like this morning there was a bug while I was trying to get ready. I'm terrified of all bugs. There's a bug while I'm trying to get ready. It crawls out of the closet, but I had my hands in, in my eyes doing my mascara wand. And, it craw and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. You know, do I mess up my mascara or do I run from the bug, right? So he decided to stay calm and finish my mascara. But by then, the bug was coming up my van and all my makeup is there and I'm losing sight of it because the bug is black and the vanity is black and I'm like, oh, the bug is in my makeup, the bug is in my makeup. Oh my God, see, I was late for a good reason this morning, okay? <laughs> uh, so I'm having this two, two breakdowns. <laughs> I, have had, I have battled fear and insecurity and, and those kind of things my whole life. Now I say battled, I've overcome because guess what? I'm standing right here, fully clothed, in makeup, speaking boldly what I'm supposed to speak and hopefully communicating it a little bit effectively enough for you to get something out of it. But that's victory, right? Victory is coming anyway and doing it anyway even when you're scared. I'm not scared of y'all, but I will say that sometimes it can be intimidating. But all y'all are so sweet, so it's, it makes it better. See, when you're covered, God will let you be covered. There's something else that God covers. You know, when, when the waves come up, the tide comes in, it covers the sand. And there's some, sometimes a lot of beautiful shells and crabs. And if you go for an evening walk on the beach and it's high tide, you see all the little crabs in the, in the two inches of water, you know. But it's covering what's there and you can't see it until it slides back. And then, wow, there's all those shells and crabs. But there's something else that covers, something really valuable, and it's a seed. A seed gets put into the ground and covered up. A seed is so precious. And when you're looking at a seed, unless you're a botanist or whatever other horticulturist or whatever they're called, unless you really know and it's your profession, if you're looking at a seed, you don't know if you're looking at a seed for calla lilies or a seed for like an oak tree. Well, that would be an acorn, so never mind. But, <laughs> but like, you know, you don't know. You don't know what kind of seed you're looking at. It's just, it's a seed. You don't know, right? So we're all, there's seeds in all of us. And we ourselves are a seed growing into something. And how, especially at young age, we're very much a seed. And a seed has to be covered. You can't crack the seed open and say, what's inside? Are you bold? 
Are you beautiful? Are you fun and bubbly? Are you smart? What are you seeing? Just tell me. We can't. You, what you have to do with the seed? Put dirt on it. Pack the dirt in really good. Water it, because everyone loves mud. And then abandon it, because it just needs time now to sit there in the mud and think about what kind of seed it's going to turn, what kind of thing it's going to be. So how do you know? So, we're, but we're, so when we're covered, we're in seed form. When I'm 11 years old looking in the mirror and I, can't, I cannot see, you could have told me I was pretty and I wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been, it'd be like right now if I tell you you don't have a left hand, you're like, you're an idiot, I have a left hand, unless you don't. Right? You couldn't have told me anything different because it is how the enemy lied to me. But at the same time, it is also a place that God allowed to be covered like a seed. Because the Bible says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot produce fruit. So the very thing that's exactly the wonderful things about us, your brilliantly gifted mind, your, your strategic way of thinking, your courage, your joy, all the wonderful things about you, they go through a dying first. They go through being covered. They go through, why is everyone else so good at this thing and not me, right? They go through a time of being hidden. So then how do you know what they are if you can't see them? That's where I think God allows us to see them in other people. That's why I think God gives us people in our lives who are like a tuning fork. And a tuning fork tunes an instrument, so it's set to a certain note or whatever. I'm not a musician. I'm going to botch this for all you musicians, but trust me concept remains true. So a tuning fork, when it strikes, it resonates at a certain tone. It's a certain sound. Everything with that sound resonates with it. Okay? Well, I'm a tuning fork right now. I think, I hope I pray, that I'm resonating with joy, that I'm resonating with courage, that I'm resonating with a sense of ease, that this is not actually that bad, and yet maybe a sense of, come on, don't get stuck here, right? Motivation or something. I hope those things resonate, that acceptance resonates, that my deep love, if each one of you stood in front of me, I would cry with you and then laugh with you and then share every moment with you. A deep love resonates. And if that sound is striking in the room, if any of that is in you, it resonates. Get it? So the name you wrote on your piece of paper is probably someone who has the fruit of one of your seeds. In other words, I'm mixing analogies, but in other words, they're a tuning fork and it's resonating. It's making you vibrate. When you see a bold, courageous woman and you either one go, yes, I'm going to be like that. That's okay. Yeah, it's in you. It's resonating. Or you go, why can't I be like that? You know what? It's in you. It's resonating. The very reason you're feeling it hurt is because it's exactly who you are. See, Satan never, Satan never told me that I didn't have a left hand. It'd be stupid. He lies to us about what's true. I'm going to read you a scripture. Uh, just kidding. I didn't write it down. Oh, yes, I did. Yes. John 8, 44. When he lies, he speaks his native language 
for he is the father of lies. In other words, he can only speak a lie. He can say nothing true. Satan could never tell me that I'm bold. It's not possible. He can only lie. So what does he do? Tells me I'm afraid. Tells me I'm a coward. Tells me I can't do it. He can never tell me I'm beautiful. All he can say, if he were to open his mouth and want to tell me, hey, you're beautiful, he would have to, it would have to change. He's not capable of really telling the truth. He can only lie. He can only pervert. He can only twist. So the point is, if he's talking to you and he's telling you you're stupid, guess what? It's a clue. You're brilliant. He can't form the words you're brilliant. He can't set up a scenario to show you. Only God can. And see, the reason I'm highlighting the negative things is sometimes it's so much easier to hear and think the negative stuff than it is the positive, right? You know, my husband says it like this. We ask God, we feel like God spoke something to us and we, and, and we go, wow, God, is that you? Lord, if it's you, when I count to three, a blue Chevy is going to drive by, the wind is going to blow, the curtain's going to open, and then my mom's going to call on the phone. Ready, God? One, two. Okay, God, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, just to be safe, maybe when I count to three, don't worry about the curtain because I know it's not a windy day, but a blue Chevy's going to drive by. You know, we go through this game, right? God, prove it to you. Did you really say that? God, did you really just say that I'm called to speak? Did you really just say that, that there's going to come a time where I'm going to be a leader? Did you really just say that people are going to uh, look to me and I'm going to have wisdom and counsel? If it's you, did you really say I'm called to, to sing and play instruments? Did you really say I'm called to, maybe you feel called to the marketplace or maybe you feel called to media or maybe you feel called to acting or whatever you feel called to. God, if it's you, you've got to prove it 75 million times. But do you know, we believe the hurtful stuff the first time. Because the first time a situation says, nobody likes you, oh, it's true. Nobody sat with me at lunch today. That happened to me recently, and I'm super good at making friends and super good at being social, but like I went into a crowded room, people were eating, and I walked up, hi, hi, I'm Rebecca, da-da-da, and like it fell flat, and then I was like standing there for a minute, real awkward, and I was like, okay, I'll try somewhere else. Hi, I'm Rebecca, da-da-da-da-da-da, hi, how, where, oh, okay, all right, there's a oh, serious conversation, all right, I'm gonna go try somewhere else. Hi, I'm Rebecca, oh my gosh, I love your shoes, oh my gosh, you're so cute, oh my gosh, I love your hair, can I be like you, oh my gosh, oh, dang it, came on too strong, all right. Uh, <laughs> and I sat and ate lunch all by myself in a crowded room, which sounds super sad, and I actually was super sad because I'm very relational, but it was nobody's fault. It was just the way things worked out. But you know, in that moment, it was like, gosh, nobody likes me, <laughs> which is not true, but it's just how it worked out in that moment. We believe the lie instantly. You ever notice that? It's because we believe the pain. And so this is what I want to say is that our circumstances can never reveal who we really are. There can never, we're always going to encounter pain. We're always going to be in a sin world. We're always going to be in a fallen world. And Satan, the father of lies, can only lie to us. He can lie to us through people. He can lie to us through situations. He can lie to us through mishaps. He can, he can, but he can only lie. And so the lies hurt, and we feel it, and we believe it. But I want to challenge you today that the lie is an indicator of the truth as well. If you're not sure, I'm going to give you some truth in a minute that you can believe. But even if you're not sure, you, you might be saying, God, I have no idea what my qualities are, and I can't hear you, and I'm not sure, and nobody has ever told me what they are. You know, I went a length of time. Nobody ever, like, told me, hey, you're pretty. I don't know why. Like, that just did cross their mind to be like, by the way, kid, you're not ugly, actually. You know? So there was a brief window of time. Nobody said that. So I was like, must, okay, consensus is true. Then when some family members did, I was like, where have you been for the last five years? Hello, I could have used this. 
Uh, anyway, my family is awesome. I'm not downplaying them at all. You know, things happen. Plus, I'm extremely verbal, and words really matter to me, and, so, and, and, and I'm terrible at subtlety. So like, if you don't actually say to me, like, I like you, then I might be like, oh, I don't know if they like me. <laughs> Christy likes me. She said so. <laughs> I'm being funny, but life, this life is like this. We all experience rejection, and we experience the rejection at the place that it matters. We get rejected where it would hurt us. I'm sure athletes experience rejection about athletic things, and maybe they're not thinking about whether they're good at communicating and picking just the right word. They would not feel what I felt. But if we have no clue and no voice, maybe there's not a certain adult, a meaningful adult in your life telling you the truth. You're brilliant. You're, you're bold. You're beautiful. You're, oh, those are all B words. Uh, <laughs> you, there, maybe there's not someone telling you exactly your unique qualities. Well, the enemy lies. And he can only lie. So if he's telling you something negative, you can flip that thing around and know that for sure is your quality. If he's telling you you're ugly, you're definitely attractive. If he's telling you you're stupid, you're definitely smart. If he's not telling you you're stupid, you're still smart, okay? It's just that's not your area that it hurts the most, okay? So I want us to do this. <clears throat> I want you to get, if you have your Bible, flip to Philippians 4.8. Those qualities that you wrote down about the people you admire, talk to, a, talk to a, a youth leader, parent, counselor, mentor, big sibling, or whoever is a good, trustworthy person in your life. Youth leaders are probably what's here today. Talk to someone, but, and make sure you wrote positive qualities. I hope, you know, hopefully you didn't write negative ones. <laughs> but, but I believe, genuinely, as I prayed for you, that the Lord showed me that, that he's put people for you to admire so that you could see what your seeds are, what kind of fruit it's going to become, what it's going to turn into. What's covered right now and you can't see it in yourself, he let you see it in someone else to give you that hope that that's where you're going. That's what's good in, that's inside of you that's going to come out. Not only that, there's more, but that's at least a, a one thing to hold on to. So those things that you wrote down that you admire in some of these women that you've seen from a distance are most likely qualities that God has also put in you. That's just kind of the way it works. They're a tuning fork. So I want to encourage you with that, that you've got a few things. But now, Philippians 4.8. I want you to write your name on a sheet of paper. Write it eight times down. I'm going to call this an activation. So, so like eight lines of your name and then a blank spot. Your name and then a blank spot. Make sense? while you're doing that, I bet you, if you think through your life, if you think of some of the things that you thought about yourself, some negative things, I bet you they might match up with some of the positive things you've admired in someone else, at least a few of them. Because just like, uh, just like I thought, I'll, I'll tell you one more thing. So I admired my college professor. I'm obviously a public speaker, uh, author of two books, ghostwrite, I've professionally ghostwritten a couple of books. Um, communication is what I do. But I failed English all through high school. I have a fifth grade spelling level, thank God for spell check and autocorrect. I failed and had to take remedial English in college. And then I failed creative writing and ended up dropping out. And so as far as what anybody else would say, I'm terrible 
terrible with English and grammar and communication, but I am a professional author and speaker and ghostwriter, and I've done editing and teach, taught teaching. And so, so the funny thing is, the enemy will lie right in our greatest strengths and try to set up scenarios right where God's called us for us to actually feel like we're less than. I'm moving somewhere. Do you got your name written down eight times? Everybody? Okay. So next to the first one, so I'm going to use my name. We're going to take this uh, right out of, hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, that'll work. Okay, we're going to take this out of the, the I'm going to use the Passion Translation, so you write mine, but you can write down next to it the reference Philippians 4, 8. Uh, so next to the first one, write, is authentic and real. Rebecca is authentic and real. This is out of Philippians 4, 8. The next, write, honorable. That's line number two, honorable. Rebecca is honorable. Next, write, admirable, like admired. You could just say admired, that one's easier. Rebecca is admired. There's like 25 Madisons in here. I think I've met all of you. Madison is admired. No. Okay, next, on the next one, write beautiful. Because everybody is beautiful. I will say this, I have genuinely never met a, a girl who was not beautiful. Even no matter what she'd been through, no matter what had happened, I've genuinely never met a girl who was not beautiful. We all are. Okay, next, write respectful. Okay, next, write pure and holy on the next line. And on the next slide, I'm going, I don't know if I'm going too fast, write merciful. And on the last line, write kind. That's out of Philippians 4.8. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. Another scripture says, fix your eyes on whatsoever is good, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely. If anything is is, is admirable and praiseworthy, think on such things. How do I know that you are those things? How do I know that you're admirable, kind, merciful? How can we be so sure that that's what God says about you? Because he created you. He's not capable of creating ugly. Ugly comes from sin. He's not capable of creating something broken, something that's not admirable, that's not good, that's not excellent, that's not praiseworthy. All of that enters with sin. But if God created you, then these things are true about you. So not only do you have your list of your three things you admire in someone else, but you have this list right from the Bible. I am admirable. I am beautiful. I am kind. I am excellent. I am praiseworthy. I am pure and holy. I am all these things. And so what I want to encourage you to do today is that when you're covered, when you can't see what you really are, and at the same time, not only can you not see what you really are, but you're looking around seeing everyone else shine or everyone else have what you feel like, wow, I don't know if I'm ever going to have that. And in that place, the enemy is hitting you with pain and insecurity and breaking your heart and trying to lie to you about who you are, I want to challenge you. The, the key is reject the lie and believe the truth. Amen? 
reject the lie. If the lie says your life is never going to get any better, then guess what? Life's exactly going to get any better because the only thing Satan can do is lie. He can't tell you the truth. So when he says it's never going to get better than this, it's actually exactly only going to get better than this. So I want you to lift your hands and I'm going to pray with you about this list that you've just made. And then I want to suggest that if you're struggling with some belief about yourself, that somehow you're not good enough, somehow you're insecure, keep your hands lifted. We're going to lift them for two minutes. So everybody lift your hands straight over your head. I'll set a timer, or at least I'll look at the clock. Uh, lift your hands straight over your head. When you lift your hands over your head, you know, they did, social psychologist Amy Cuddy did an experiment um, that when you lift your hands over your head for just two minutes, your cortisol which is the stress hormone, which makes you kind of feel like you can't do it, stressed out. Your cortisol decreases by 25%. At the same time, your power hormone, testosterone, increases by 20%, which is responsible for like, ah, I feel good. I got this. I got a little swagger. So when you lift your hands over your head, there's a 45% change from, oh, my gosh, life is hard. I don't know. I can't do it. I'm ugly. Nobody likes me. To, yes, I've got this. I'm coming up here ready to do exactly what God called me to do. You are more likely to take a risk. You are more likely to be your authentic self. You are likely to be seen as one who's capable. You are more likely for people to approach you with intent to do you good after just two minutes of lifting your hands over your head. See, the Bible says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. God is the one who created cortisol. God is the one who created the intent to do you good. He's the one who created uh, testosterone and power and authenticity and all those things. And so when we lift our hands, not only are we surrendering to him, God, I give up. I don't feel like I'm these things. I feel covered. I feel not seen. I feel not good enough. I feel whatever it is that I feel. But God, I surrender to you and I give it all to you and I trust you. But at the same time, I'm partnering with your victory. I'm partnering with a God who has never lost a battle. A God who doesn't know what ugly is. A God who doesn't know what fear is. A God who doesn't know what giving up is. A God who will not quit for me and was fight for my behalf. So when I surrender and I lift my hands, I win your victory. I partake in your victory. You have overcome the grave, so I will overcome too. Come on, now give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah! Woo! All right, I love you guys. You're amazing. So take your list and remember, you can put your hands down now. It's been two minutes. Remember, whatever you've seen about yourself, you've only seen a seed, but this list lets you know what's to bloom and what's to come in your season of blossoming. Amen? Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Waves Ministry Podcast. For more information about our ministry, check out our website, wavesgirlsconference.com, and our social media at Waves Girls Conference. Today, we hope you start making waves in your home, community, and world.